So you still using preparation? I'm H, sick right? and tired of your shit, Chris. <laughs> using preparation H, right? No, man, that's old news. Um, that's old news. What are those called? Those, he left uh, it on the bathroom stall. When you poop and a vein comes out, what is that? <laughs> you that? have going on? A hemorrhoid? Yeah, you have one of those. <laughs> yeah, you clearly use preparation H. No, I've never. I know people that have. God damn, that's got to be painful. I wouldn't know. I mean. I wouldn't know either. Oh, can you tell me more about the people that you know that have these things? No, I swear. I'm good. I'm in and out, dude. Less than two minutes. Done. That sounds pretty much abnormal to me. No. What? Yeah, if you... This guy. It's wild. I mean, Arun, seriously? Like, tell me you have no respect for the show without telling me you have no respect for the show. <laughs> welcome... Only when you're speaking, Chris. He can't even say the welcome part. Welcome back to the show, everybody. This is the number one financial literary po- oh, Damn it. Damn. <laughs> Financial literary. Yeah. We're talking about books here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All the books. Why don't you just leave it to the pros? Hold on. This is the number one financial literacy podcast in the world. Wow, good job. Yeah. yeah two takes. I was trying to bring in too much energy. That's what it was. <laughs> that was terrible. We um we are your hosts. Mm. One of us is good. The other one's okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one back there, yeah, he just opens drinks and talks shit. But, you know, whatever. We, we, somehow people like us. Yeah. So, uh, welcome back. We're going to talk about a lot of different topics today, and this one's going to be a little bit uh, kind of all over the place, a little schizophrenic, if you will. But all of this, I promise you, will be interesting. Austin's got some problems. We're going to get into that. Luxury home market's got some problems. We'll touch on that briefly. We'll talk about the Dow and how it sank. And it's snapping its longest run since 1987, which I believe is, I don't know, when Said was born. Uh, yeah, actually a year after. Yeah, wow, well, you young kids, so cute. <laughs> we'll talk about Airbnb. He's got some major problems in Texas. And to round out the show, we'll talk about uh, U.S. economy recession fears and $5.5 trillion in savings. Wiped out, poof, gone. And we'll tell you why. Right. So, jumping right into it, Austin office market hits a record high. This, according to The Real Deal, which is growing to be a very increasingly sexy place for me to get real estate information. I really want to go visit there. Austin or The Real Deal? Austin. Oh, that yeah. seems like a totally random fucking comment at this point. All right, we're time. talking about Austin office market, right? He was literally talking about The Real Deal now. Yeah, but I'm talking, about, I'm talking about I want to go to Austin and pay them a visit. Erwin, you want to... You wanna, Handle this one yeah, or Very confused. Yeah, very confusing statement by you. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know that it was confusing. We're talking about Austin, Texas. Are you listening to this show? <laughs> this one. Well, I think he's still like wrapped up like PTSD from his opening line. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I know I know you're expecting a literary podcast. Yes. But this is a literacy podcast, <laughs> just to be clear. It, okay. Got it, got it. Is there a book you wanted to read us? Oh no. no. Did you have a club or something you want oh, to talk we about? Should start that. What? Actually, drop a new episode every single week. About what? Just a book club. Should I mute him now? Jesus or? Christ. Are you, are you sober? No. You just have another drink then. Whatever. It couldn't hurt at this point yeah. here. Go yeah. drink that. Yeah, I am driving. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. See? There you go. Let's okay. go. So you and Gal's going to drive you home. All right. So Austin is one of the top cities in the country for job growth. But there's a problem. Uh, the uh, Lone Star Capital's office market hits record high vacancy. How many of those jobs will be in person, question mark? Well, we don't necessarily know, but we do know the impacts to Austin's office market have been pretty heavy. JLL, who's a broker who deals largely in office space and commercial real estate, 
Data found that office vacancy in Austin hit a 19.7% number last quarter, setting a record high going back to at least 2009. Even businesses that have already signed large footprints are getting skittish. I believe, wasn't it um, Meta who pulled out of having an office there? I don't know if it was in Austin. I think it was in Austin when they pulled really? out of, yeah. I, I thought it was Amazon. Maybe it was one of their It was one of the bigger warehouses. Ones. Yeah, right. it was one of the fangs, if you will. Yeah. Um, in any event, uh, footprints are getting skittish, writes Joe Lovinger, as total sublease space reached 5.4 million square feet to date. Some 940,000 more square feet have hit the market than come off it this year. Wow. Yikes. Yeah, I think we covered it on a previous. Uh, Meta to sublease, not occupy. Chris wins, side loses. This is not your night. <laughs> it's not your Yeah, life. I mean, first you want to read books, and then yeah. now you're getting your ass handed to you. Well, we covered it on a previous episode, how uh, office vacancies across the nation has reached 1 billion in square feet, right? This you, problem. Are, you are stretching right now. What? Take a deep deep breath in. What's stretching? <laughs> Come on, man. He finally got some movement in there. I didn't feel like that felt, that felt very unnatural. That felt unnatural. Why? It felt unnatural. Huh? Why? Probably because you're sober. I think, no, you're making this very awkward and uncomfortable yeah, for I'm the listeners. I'm trying to. Yeah. Thank you. Is this because you got really upset about if, the black card reference last episode? I am very upset about it still. Or the yeah. episode before that. <laughs> or the or episode, episode before, before that. Or all of them. I get comments and Q&As now about, like, mean shit about your comments. You are the worst, bro. You you drag me into shit that I'm not even a part of. How? They they ask you about who would you uh marry, fuck, kill from Mind Pump and somehow I get dragged into this? Yeah, I'm trying to make it inclusive. Yeah. You're lucky I bring you into that shit. I'm so lucky. I didn't want to like, you know, be like, "Hey, we're celebrities sides over here in the background. I brought you in. I would kill you." <laughs> Thanks. That was man. my choice. Appreciate it. I would marry Adam. I would Fuck Justin, Doug, and Sal, and mm -hmm. I would kill you. Yeah. I mean. And Adam and I would make great couples. I'll tell you, I wasn't offended by that. So yet, here you are bringing it up in the middle of the show. Yeah, but I got just dragged into it because you couldn't make a hard decision. What if I wasn't involved? Who would you kill off from that team? Go. Justin. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's too masculine for you, huh? He's just, he's just too much of a man. Honestly, <laughs> it's. Pretty intimidating. And we couldn't work out together because all of his exercise equipment is very complicated for me. I, yeah, he's got a nice flow with his those bars. What are they called? I don't know. I can't do that. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't have that kind of athleticism, bro. And it, it just, it's, yeah, it's a very lopsided relationship. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like the rest of them could have like a standard bodybuilding workout with me, <laughs> which is the core to my relationships. <laughs> okay, yeah. got it. So Austin is clearly in trouble. And for those of you who've been to Austin, the infrastructure there is really not built for a city the size of 2 million people. Uh, but... It, it's what they got now. And with this massive influx, which is really weird because there seems to be a political part of it as well. People moving out of Democratic states into generally a Repo Republican state like Texas, but having like this non-Texas-like vibe in Austin where it's very Democratic, if you will, has really set the city apart. And they started to see some pretty significant you know, economic growth there. I flew into the Austin airport not too long ago on a connecting flight, and it's, it's still a small, tiny airport. But the airport itself has grown significantly from what it once was. It's astonishing to see how much growth they have. And now to see that they're impacted so quickly with the office market was kind of surprising on some level. But I guess when you think about the context of expansion and growth into areas like this, it's probably the first place to get hit. But this is, this is a trend we're going to see in major metropolitan areas across the country. Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, 
uh, Dallas, in Austin as well, of course. And definitely all those cities in the Sun Belt region that really got propped up during the pandemic. Well, any any place where I, I think you saw the exodus of individuals to these areas and the companies decided they were going to follow the individuals there as opposed to just having like remote work-life balance, I think you might get some of that. Odin pulled up something here um, from what website is this? Aqu- Aquila. 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 Uh, six downtown Austin office buildings delivering soon. What are we pulling up here? Uh, Waterloo Central in downtown Austin. Beautiful looking building. Mm-hmm. Block 185 in Austin. Wow, these are, wow, geez, these are big ass properties. Look at this one right here. What, scroll up a little bit, Arun. Sixth in Guadalupe. It's uh, 400 West 6th Street. It's office and multifamily. 589,112 square feet Wait. of office and 349 units of multifamily. Okay. Expected delivery date Q1 of 2023. Wow, that What's is going a on here? big fucking so it's already, property. It's, it's already Mrs. Date. Texas Bankers Association headquarters, office space 102,073 square feet. Expected delivery in Q1 of 20. They have crazy ass deliveries. Mm-hmm. Look at this building. Wow, 600 West 5th Street. Is office building 150,000 square feet, expected delivery Q2 of 2023. They've got way too many deliveries coming on market, even for a stabilized economy. They were 30% pre-leased. Yeah, wow. way, way too many because one of, um, one, of the, one of the things that gets impacted when the Fed decides to raise rates this high is the impact on business investment, right? So businesses tend to slow down their growth. Um, they actually have to cut down on expenses, uh, higher interest rates, increase of cost of borrowing for them to not only expand, but, you know, fund everything that they're trying to accomplish. So these are going to remain vacant for a while. Hmm. It's crazy to see how this toll has been taken on. I wonder if they're going to repurpose this brand new real estate. Already? Yeah. I mean, well, then what do you do with it? Yeah, the Wall Street Journal... Actually, um, they posted something on YouTube that I, I saw on how they're repurposing some of these construction uh, or some of these commercial real estates. Well, it's hard. First of all, you have to get rezoned, right? That that that's a big hurdle, right? You got to get the city on board, right? And, and let's be honest, uh, government agencies, cities, they don't move very fast. Well, they were talking about some of the buildings. Actually, it works out. It works out really nice, right? Because you could build out units around the around the outside, but then some are so large mm-hmm. that you actually, the units that are in the middle of the building don't have any natural light, any windows, right? No, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, so you wouldn't. So what do they do instead is they carve out the center of the building all the way down to the ground floor and they create a little courtyard all the way up so that they get one, one window for natural light. I would more like to see them carve out the, the so imagine like a circular building, mm-hmm. right? If you want to imagine it as a square, you can do that the same as well. But why not make that go all the way back, right? Like, so your unit would go all the way to the center of the building and then all the way out to the wall. Right. But they're saying that some of the buildings, the way they're structured, they can't do that. Mm. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's a problem either way. Yeah. But uh, there are problems in other parts of the market, too. It's not just commercial real estate, unfortunately. Mm. According to the Wall Street Journal, the luxury home market confronts its new reality, not enough buyers and sellers. Sales at the high end continue to decline as homeowners pull back on listing properties and would-be buyers grapple with high interest rates and recession fears, despite the fact that the Fed does not believe that a recession is in the, in the cards. 
I have a quote from this article which goes into the Redfin data. But I got to tell you, I was really interested in this article for another reason. Why is that? Because one of my favorite comedians of all time was Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. And I was going to read this article and probably not put it into the show notes. And I thought, you know what? Eh. We talk a lot about kind of the luxury home market. And there's a lot of people in our area talking about how it's stable and not stable. And it's always after a show like this that I get a lot of people with, you know, I guess counter experiences. And they want to tell me about how much we're wrong. But then I saw Joan Dangerfield, the uh, wife of late comedian Rodney Dangerfield. And I was like, you know what? I'm reading this article. Yeah, exactly. And uh, while I found, I, I, you know, I don't feel pity for her. She's in a very good financial position. Uh, and the, the the article goes on to talk about the struggles that she has in selling this very high-end, unique property. Did you see a picture of it? In the yeah, show? I did. It was gorgeous property. I think they, they very bought it. Very Art in the, Deco. Bought in the early 2000s for, I think, a little north of $6 million. Yeah. And now it's been on the market since February, I believe, for around yeah. 17 and a half. But it's a very unique aesthetic property, and I would tell you in 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 this particular area in in Los Angeles in general, you got to understand like there's cycles of like properties that are in style. For a long time, it was Mediterranean. Now it's out. Okay. Then it was contemporary, and I think maybe we're getting to the point where that's kind of getting out. There was a lot of like that modern farmhouse for a while. Yes. So Los Angeles, more than most communities, kind of cycles through different styles that are really in vogue. And those typically move. I would say the property that she's trying to sell in and of itself would have its own unique problems because the aesthetic is not in vogue right now. Okay. But let's quote some of the data from the article, which I think was important. Sales of luxury homes nationwide defined as the top 5% of homes based on an estimated market value declined by 24.13% in the three months ended June 30th. Compared to the same period last year, according to a new report by brokerage Redfin. Inventory of luxury homes was down 2.39% during that same period, while the median sales price for luxury homes was actually up by 4.55%. In many metros, homeowners appear to have pulled back on listing homes in light of the market shift. New luxury listings were down by 17.08% year over year in the three months ended June 30th, Redfin's data shows. Wow. Also from this article, New York City... Uh, showed a drop of 36%, Los Angeles down 36%, and Chicago was down 34%. Um, yeah. so, so major problems from there. Now, I get it. These are you know high net worth individuals. It's, it's, it's hard to start to feel sorry for them, but I think it paints like a bigger picture of what's going on. Um, back to Joan Dangerfield. Uh, mm-hmm. She said that she's actually, whether this is true or not, remains to be seen, but she has received a, a, a number of offers at list, but they came with a lot of contingencies. Like seller financing. Like seller financing. And yeah. I thought that was something interesting, worthy to potentially get in the show. Like, what is it and how would one even go about it? Who does that benefit more? So, yeah, I mean, this this happens all the time. This is some of that alternative financing that people talk about on social media and the Internet. But basically, let's say, uh, Saeed, you're selling a home. Okay. Let's say you've got a, a mortgage on the home for $5 million. But you're selling the home to me for 10, right? And I say, hey, Saeed, look, I'm going to buy the home from you. I'll get a mortgage for five. But I need you to carry a a second trustee of two behind that. And I'll give you $3 million in cash up front. Right. So you're going to wind up getting three plus the five alone that I'm going to get. And then I'm going to pay you the rest of that back, $2 million over time. Right. 
It means I would put less money down, get less financing, and try to work that out. And there's several different versions of this and different hypotheticals and scenarios. But basically, you've got a loan to me the same way a bank would, and it would pay you back over time. Now, are there are there some pros for me in that scenario? Well, I guess if you're charging interest, you can get, in theory, above market interest rate over time. Mm-hmm. So your money actually becomes more money. What about the... What about you hear a lot of people say that you can actually, you know, reduce your taxes for capital gains, spread it out long term? I would say for most people in this particular scenario, that's not really a a viable reason to do it. Okay. I would say if you're in this, I'm buying a $12 million home range, that's not really a big big motivation for you. Mm -hmm. And the biggest motivation is selling a property that you have that you don't want to carry anymore. Right. And at that point, you're just trying to get away from it. I mean, she's like in her 70s, right? Like. She's in her seventies. She's a beautiful looking woman for her age, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, she's in her seventies, and she, uh, she, she. I think she bought the home for was it six? Uh, yeah, just just north of six, I believe. Enlisted at what twelve? Seventeen. So, oh Jesus! Yeah, so she's she's just trying to you know, tap into that twelve ish million dollars in equity. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so and and up until now, I mean, there there's there's some risk involved with that too. To carry, you know, that seller finance carrying that second. Uh, some of which she said, I think in the article, that um, were 100% seller financing. Yeah, right? I mean, there's some crazy things out there. I don't, I don't think if you're a seller. There's no need for that right now. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. That you, I mean, the, the, the best argument use case I've seen for this recently is saying, hey, look, let me, uh, let's keep your financing in place. And so, so I'll give you a little wider kind of background. I'll back up a little bit. If you're in Los Angeles and you own a property and you own it in the name of a trust or an LLC or something like that, people are trying to get around this new Los Angeles tax transfer tax, right? Yes. So it's very expensive for very high-end estates, right? So they're going to say, hey, let me buy your LLC and let me assume your mortgage. Well, typically speaking, a single-family residence mortgage is not assumable, meaning that you can't step in the place of the person who's responsible to pay it back. You see this a lot more in investment properties. In commercial real estate, generally speaking, most contracts in what I would call the middle market area, um, anything that's less than these like very specially nuanced large deals, they generally have a 1% assumption fee, right? So you can assume a loan of the person selling the property for a 1% fee of the then outstanding principal balance subject to the then in place underwriting standards of the of the lender right, right. or the bank. Right. And that that 1% gets paid to the bank. Right. And that's very common the bank gets an origination fee, but in an interest rate increasing economy like this, banks don't want to do that cuz they're like, "Well, why would I let you assume it when you can go get a loan from us at a higher rate?" So could the so even though it's baked into the loan documents where it is theoretically allowed, could the bank flat out decline and say, "No, we're not allowing it?" I guess contractually the answer is no, but keep in mind it's always subject to the then in place underwriting standards. Right. And banks can very easily change their underwriting standards for all transactions or even just assumptions to be much, much more rigid. Mm-hmm. Now, if they want to keep it on their books, it's, it's their prerogative. But let's just say hypothetically you've got a loan with $3 million on a property, right? And you're currently paying me 3.5% as a bank. It's not in my best interest to let somebody else assume that. Because I can go take that same money and lend that out to somebody else and get 6% right now. Right. I can literally double the interest payments that I'm getting on it. So it's not in my best interest to do that. In an interest rate decreasing economy, it's in the bank's best interest, right? If it's a 6% rate 
rate you have on there and you want to assume it, well, I can't redeploy that capital at the same amount. I can only redeploy it at 3%. I'm losing half the money. So it's a subtle kind of balance both ways up and down, whether banks do it or not do it, or it's economically viable. But what I'll say is this, on, on the single family world, it's not generally not the case. But what some people might say is, hey, look, Saeed, you're selling your home. It's the name of an LLC. I want to avoid the transfer tax in Los Angeles. Why don't I pay your mortgage for you? Mm -hmm. Right? Right. Then I get the benefit of your low interest rate, which you have on the property. I'll pay the difference in, in cash. And then I get a really low financing cost. And you're still kind of somewhat tied to it. But you get to sell your property at $17 million in this case. Right. So there's lots of sort of creative ways to do this. Now, what I would say... I would never allow this type of creative financing. Either you can buy the property, or you can't. That's too just, risky, right? That, that's, yeah, it's too risky for me. I, I don't think it makes sense for most people. But if you're really desperate and you want to sell, it might be an avenue to go down. Speaking of uh, deploying capital right now, you said that it doesn't make sense for us right now uh, as an institution to uh, allow you to assume this loan where I could deploy that capital out somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Given the fact that the Fed recently raised interest rates 25 basis points, um, I haven't really tuned in or checked rates across other institutions. Have you seen banks starting to give out higher rates on their deposits yet or no? Everyone's staying kind of stagnant. Well, I mean, it's a little early for that. Yeah. But um, some banks did increase their deposit pricing ahead of what they assumed to be a guaranteed oh, lock. They got out in front of it? Now, I would say uh, this interest rate increased more than most. There was a palpable change where I think the troubled lenders and banks out there were really pushing above 5%, 5.25, 5.35. Yeah. And it got to the point where people were like, oh, 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 what's wrong with this bank? Why are they offering such high rates? Right. Now it's like, oh, they must need liquidity. <laughs> oh, that's so crazy. And Yeah. It's like, oh, like, I don't know if I should go there because they might, they're, they're probably hurting a little bit more than most. So I'll mm -hmm. go with a 5% rate. Keep in mind during the contagion period, March 9th, March 10th, People were freaking out. It was all over the news that banks were failing, and there's a lot of stigma in the banking sector. the The first initial knee jerk reaction was, "I want a bank that's stable." People move money to the GSIBs, the globally systematic important banks, the Chase, the Wells, the B of A, the Cities. Right, right. And then they're like, "Wait a minute! Wait, 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 wait! These big banks—they're not—they're not paying me a lot of interest. No, they're right? offering like three percent, right? Yeah, three and a half. I mean, they're they're moving up, but I mean, they're not anywhere near as competitive as the community regional banks." People go, okay, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's, let's, um, I'll bring my money back to you, community regional bank, if you give me a higher interest rate. Because the difference was palpable. Right. The difference is, I mean, when people were making less than 1% of their deposits, it really didn't, people didn't care. Right. People making 1%, 2%, they're still like, meh. People making 5%, you know, 4.5%, they're like, okay, you know what? This is real money I'm passing on. You have millions in deposit, that this is, this is a lot of money. So now, now it's an it's an investment now to people. It's not just it's something that you earn, like something just the, the 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 juice, the vig on the side. Right. You're into your mafia Italian terms. The vig. The vig. What? Yeah. I don't get it. Really? Yeah. Tell me. Ron, can you look up the the phrase vig? The vig, a mafia term. Yeah. When bookies ran your juice. Yeah. On interest, they called it the vig. Mm. Vig. The interest. Payment on a loan paid back on the creditor by a certain percentage. Mm -hmm. Short for what the hell is that? Vigorish. Vig <laughs> Chris, what kind of hazard coming on your computer, man? 
Can you say it again, Said? What? Can you read it again? I can't read it. That Did far I say away. it wrong? What did I say? Just read it again. No, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> what I say? Wait, what did he say? I thought he said it right. Yeah, he did say it right. What did I say? <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, the uh, used in gambling. Uh huh. Yeah. So, a lot of the Italians in the old mob days used to refer to the Vig. Got it. It was. It was. A- <laughs> I'm a terrible human being. You are. All right. Well, so, yeah, the, the interest is is palpable, and I think there's a big difference now to consumers, so people have shifted their perspective. All right, let's move on to CNN business. The Dow. Mm. I've been waiting to talk about this one for a little bit. The Dow sinks, snapping its longest run since 1987, the year after Saeed was born. Snapping it. Snapping the shit out of it. Longest run. So one of the things we've, we've experienced in the show before and we've talked about is that prosperous economies and recessionary economies are getting longer with time. The cycle, which we like to think of as an average of seven to 10 years, and I myself fell victim to this, is that the, that's the average, um, is getting longer. So your prosperous economy is getting longer, your recessionary economy is getting longer. We just came out of one that was 14, almost 15 years. Right. So the recessionary economy in theory should be longer, Right. And if that's true, that means that it's going to take longer to wind up and longer to wind down. So, you know, when you think about it, the Dow, which was on pace for its best run in 126 years. Okay. So you start looking at the points. Oh, I'm going to have to, I'm gonna have to edit that cough out later on. I heard, you, I heard you from back here. Sucks for you. Dude, the room vibrates when he coughs. I know. I got to be honest. Like, you're... As a guy who had a coughing problem for the last six years, and I probably still do, but it's getting better now, thankfully, after seeing 35 doctors over six years. Is, is there something going on there, or is this just like legacy COVID thing with you? Legacy COVID, man. I did not cough like this a few weeks ago. Ooh, oh, fuck so, you, so, Wow. I was wow. looking at Saeed's face. He's the only one that was like, eh. Did, did he cough like that a lot? Is that, is that Yeah, man. Say? Come on. We've heard it. What are you talking about? I don't think it was been this bad. It was bad. Was it? Yeah. He's always coughed like this? No, nah, not always, but I mean, he did before COVID. Yeah. Before COVID? Yeah. That's like three years ago. No, before he had COVID. Oh. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe you should get that checked out. You got it, boss. Hey, man, I'll tell you right now, one of the one of the biggest regrets I have, I don't really have regret. One of the things I wish I would have done sooner was get like a lot of my medical records checked out like faster. Simple things like skincare, like dermatologists. Like oh, I just, yeah. you know, you just put all those things off, and then over time, you like you realize like shit, like I shouldn't have waited. Yeah, because it's not about the initial one that you get, right? It's about the the one you get yeah. the following year, so you have something to compare it to. Yeah, it's about the data over time. Yeah, just food for thought. Food, food for thought. For thought. <laughs> okay, so. All right, the blue chip index, the Dow, fell two hundred thirty seven points after being on track to close higher. For a 14th consecutive season, which ironically coincides with 14 years of artificial interest rate deflation, that would have marked the Dow's longest run of consecutive gains since May of 1897. God damn. I'm pretty sure you weren't born yet. <laughs> yeah, 1897. Wow. If the Dow had closed higher on Thursday and Friday of last week, today being July, what is it, 
28. 28. Thank you very much. Um, it would have notched 15 days of gains, its longest daily win streak ever. Wow. It ble- it's still up 6% year to date, the yeah. Dow as a whole, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty remarkable. Given- In the face of all the Fed has done to try to temper inflation, right? all these stocks are still growing. Still growing, exactly. So uh, between that, for me, for me personally, uh, have you ever invested in this blue chip index? Mm. No. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, we'll cover it on our. We're, I want. I really want to do the the retirement episode. We talk about 401ks, mm. Roth 401ks, IRAs, and in that one, I'm going to give out my secret sauce as to my Vanguard special BOO. Well, BOO is my strong. I believe if you're going to invest in one. BOO, which is Vanguard's low-cost fi- index 500 fund. ETF, right, especially if uh, you're just starting out. It's not just starting out. Yeah, Fuck that. It's, it's a great place for everybody to start. Well, there's no minimum balance. That's why. No minimum balance. But even then, VOO, there's IVOO. There's a couple different versions in there. VFIX. Wow, look at you. Yeah. A lot, a lot of Vanguard stuff. So I have a whole mix mm-hmm. that I recommend, and I can recommend them down to percentages. I love it. If we got to get into If you're that. starting out and you just want to plug in, Mm-hmm. This is how I plug in. We'll, inter- we'll do that on a separate for episode. entertainment purposes only. Yeah, uh, investment uh, advice. Obviously, this is a comedic show. <laughs> what are you? There's you know? Andrew Schultz and there's us. Oh man, the best. The best. We're a literary show. Yeah, a little. Look at this guy. Literary villain. This guy. Literary villain. This guy. You're mumbling, Arun. Again. The, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Pot calling kettle black. <laughs> <laughs> Good reference. <laughs> So, uh, moving on, shall we? Let's do it. We're going to talk a little bit about a subject that's near and dear to Saeed's heart. And I actually, I want to read the whole article. It's a very short article. Saeed didn't get a chance to read this one because I added it to the show notes late. But I was uh, flying from Houston to Dallas and then Dallas back to California. And one of the things, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, is I like to check the local news in the area that I'm in. Okay. So I'll uh, I'll tap into local news, and one of the things that came up was that Dallas City Council had banned short-term rentals from single-family areas, according to Fox 4 in Dallas. And this, to me, was like, well, hello. Right. Let's talk about banning short-term rentals. Now, I know an asshole I very much don't like who... Uh, sells courses on Airbnb arbitrage, who I know has rentals in Dallas. And I thought, (laughs) (laughs) so let's scroll down the article here on the left, Arun, and let's read some of this. After a day of debate, the Dallas City Council voted on Wednesday night to add restrictions for short-term rentals like Airbnb and VRBO. But what I found interesting is what comes next. They narrowly tailored this in a way I don't fully claim to understand. But I do think we're going to see more of this. Okay. So the article goes on. The council voted on the issue a little before midnight after more than four hours of testimony from dozens of people on both sides of the emotional issue. Everyone, if you could do me a favor, scroll up so I can read it a little easier. The council decided to ban short-term rentals from neighborhoods with single-family homes. Remember that, single-family homes, okay? Mm-hmm. STRs will still be allowed in neighborhoods with multifamily dwellings and commercial zones. However, the council added new restrictions. So if you're in an apartment complex, a multifamily housing complex, 
this will still be allowed. Right. But not in homes. And in my experience, and I, I, mean, I don't know if you guys have any experience with this or not, a lot of people who are looking for like Airbnb arbitrage or scaling Airbnb operations, they always go to the apartment operators anyway. Really? Yeah. For most for most people that I'm, I'm aware of, they go to the apartment operators. Oh, interesting. No, they're, every not time, to do, they're not trying to do homes, individual single-family homes. Every time I've <coughs> gotten one, excuse me, has been um, a home, never mm-hmm. never the multifamily route. Well, I mean, I, there's, there's probably a good mix of both, I guess. But um, Yeah, because I'm always doing it for like a vacation with little ones and kids. I need the space for them to roam around. I like, do it for the backyard. Well, in Dallas, that's going to be a problem. So yeah. this goes on. Councilman Chad West. Minus one for Chad being your first name. Why? I, Chad is just not a name I trust. <laughs> I grew up with the Chad. I think that's why it has a hard, uh, soft spot for me. And um, in our 20-plus years of friendship, you've never mentioned Chad. I'm no longer friends with him. Lost <laughs> <Last> touch. <laughs> I rest my case, Your but He Honor. was also a, always a really nice guy. I used to get picked on a lot as a kid, kind of like what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, but a room picking on you. Yeah, yeah. yeah my brother-in-law picking on me. Yeah, um, I get it. Yeah, Oh, of course. Her room picked up, pulls up a Chad West page, and all it says is "Donate today." <laughs> never, never trust a guy with Ram or Chad in his yeah, name. <laughs> need I say more? I'm Chad Ramsey. Go to hell, Chad Ramsey. <laughs> anyway, uh, going on, Councilman Chad West wanted the city to allow but regulate short-term rentals. We will pass an ordinance most likely to survive legal challenges, so we don't open the floodgates again. He said. But Councilman Paul Ridley, stronger name, said the city attorney's office said that the city council did have a legal right to define short-term rentals as a lodging use, allowing them in commercial, mixed-use, and certain multifamily residential areas. It goes on, but I will read one more quote from this here. It says, in 2021, West Dallas, I had about a dozen STRs. Today, we have about 200 STRs, meaning short-term rentals. Wow. And they are growing exponentially. So therein lies a problem. This is from uh, a gentleman who obviously makes a living doing that. In 2021, just two years ago, this person had about 12. And they've scaled them up to 200. Now, if you're in a neighborhood and you bought a home Mm -hmm. and you like your neighborhood, the last thing you want are strangers coming in and out of your neighborhood. 110%. 110%. For your kids, for your family. Right. It just makes things feel less safe. Absolutely. I don't care what anybody says, you're going to feel less safe. Now, I mean, theoretically speaking, we don't know what kind of loans they got on the, on these on these properties, right? But they could turn them into long-term rentals. They could, and that, that's a lot of people who were in that business's, I guess, counter-argument or counterpoint is like, well, I only do rentals that are over 60 days. Mm-hmm. They try to skirt the short-term rental like nonsense by saying longer term ones. And that, right. that's what this whole definition of short term or Airbnb or VRBO gets very confusing. Yeah, but it's going to be interesting to find out what does what is the definition of short term. Yeah, and a lot of people would try to go the, uh, it's corporate housing route. Yeah. It, it's for, you know, officers of corporations that stay here for extended periods of time. Oh, yeah, professionals. Well, here's what I'll say. If I buy a house in an area, that is not who I want as a neighbor. Okay. The standard of living I want is I want to know my community. I want to know who's here consistently, and I want to have names that are not coming in and out. Right. It's simple. That That's the way I was raised. That's what I expect. I don't want to live in a transient neighborhood. Right. Maybe, maybe I'm different. 
I mean, do you feel the same way? I mean, no, I feel I feel the same way. I know that um, we covered an article a little while back. I don't know what part of Southern California, but J.P. Morgan bought a huge chunk of land to develop a lot of properties for it to be entirely uh, rented out, right? Mm-hmm. And even that in and of itself kind of like uh, freaks me out that everyone here, we're all, we're all renting and this is owned by some large corporation. So what's the upkeep going to be like? So you hate the city of Irvine is what you're saying? What is that? I don't, I, I, to be truth be told, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Really? Yeah. I love Irvine. I mean, it's very clean. But I, there's a lot of density. There's a lot of There's a lot of, a lot of yeah, yeah, exactly. I get that. And I love the Spectrum. I wish I could go there more Which often. Which is an outdoor shopping mall that site is referencing. For those of you up in Canada who listen to the show, we love you, number one. Yeah. And number two, I clearly appreciate and respect you more than site. Oh, I'm having a conversation with you, yeah. So, yeah, but you're talking colloquially about areas that a lot of our listeners who are from all over the world. So when you much talk, less, when you talk about your black card experiences, you think that people all around the world understand? Yes, there's black cards in other countries. As a matter of fact, they're easier or harder to get depending on what country you're in. Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, of course you. How so? so? Yeah, see, there you go. I'm see? asking how so. I know. I know. <laughs> it's a lie. It's, no, it's true. <laughs> wow, how so? I would even say I would even go so far as to say that I have friends that are in Europe. And they, their perks for the card are much sexier than stuff you get in the United States. How so? Like you know how like uh, in the early days, of the oh, god damn it, I can already tell this is how this is gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to be an adult here with you, okay? Okay. I'm, I want you to try to try let's, to do the same. Let's do this. Allow me the courtesy back, okay? okay. <laughs> don't don't be. You don't can't laugh while I'm saying this shit to you. Okay, I'll I'll be an adult. Why well, you got your high socks? <laughs> it's because I don't want you to see any in my white ankles. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you're there, back in the day when you got a black card, it was like this beautiful box and this huge presentation. And it was sexy. Okay. Right? Now when you get it in the United States, it's like it's like a cheaper box. Mm-hmm. You open it up. It's just a bigger like envelope, basically. Okay. And there's a whole shtick. And if you, you're lucky, you get like a Prada wearable, uh, mm. which is like this little... And I have one. It's a wristband. It's got a little chip in it. And you can scan the chip and it'll scan your card. But if you have an Apple Watch, like, why do you need that? Oh, okay. Right? So it's kind of redundant. Right. But in Europe, they're still getting like the bigger boxes, the nicer presentation. And I'm I've I know for a fact the spending limits are different based on what country you're in. Mm. But there's a much different like experience in different countries with Amex and I from what I'm told by people like in, in Europe, like uh I'm talking like um everywhere from London to like Paris and kind of like that area. Mm-hmm. Um and probably probably spain and france and or spain and um italy as well but um they're they have a, a lot more like luxurious options i went to uh, a black card experience with my wife and like we just kind of like you know we'll check it out right the john legend one right we felt like cattle really there was a lot of fucking people there is it used more for networking uh, you could tell a lot of people had it for that yeah yeah it was networking and people trying to get laid laid yeah like i've got a blood corn i'll tell you to see john legend oh it was okay. a great event but it just it didn't feel concierge it felt like cattle mm. yeah not a fan yeah it was not a, i'm not a fan of the experience though they do offer some other experience we haven't done but how was john legend though it was great he's amazing yeah have you ever night. seen him live before uh no yeah i've always wanted to see him live he's incredible life yeah yeah it was really impressive it was the night that his wife gave birth oh wow he talked about it He's like, I was, he's like, um, she let me come tonight. I want to let me, you know, be clear. She let me come tonight. Oh, well, I yeah. had to put that disclaimer out. But yeah, he was incredible life. It was really impressive. Yeah. Which I feel like Odun doesn't get enough credit for. 
or Marsal doesn't get enough credit for, I should say. Letting him come here? Yeah. Yeah. She is, in Arun's definition, like 12 months pregnant. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't even know how long pregnancy is anymore. He's like, she's. This has been going on for way too long. Very pregnant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Arun, what are you going to do when she look? Oh, he muted me. Wow. <laughs> he muted me, you bastard. Yeah, yeah. This is why we shouldn't let you have control of the sound panel. Right. Stop taking jabs at me. I'm not taking, that wasn't a jab. Oh, 13 months. You said last month, the baby's uh, last week that babies take ten Anyways, um, yeah, dude, she doesn't get enough credit because she hasn't honestly caused any fuss. Well, I don't, I don't know what he's gonna do next month. I mean, she's uh thirty eight weeks pregnant, or dude. Yes, yeah. He was not very sure of that. I was doing the math. Yeah, I was not very sure. Yeah. He's like, she needs to have a baby. Yes, that, that's how much pregnant she is. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready, man? Are you, you're gonna have a second one at home. Yes, sir. You ready for that? I mean, I'm as ready as I can be. Yeah, that's probably fair. Are you, uh... The house is prepped. The room's ready. Our room's ready. We have everything we need. So, yeah. Are you going to have family staying with you for an extended period of time? My mother-in-law was here for the last three weeks. Um, She is headed back home uh, after this weekend for a week, and then it's coming back. So... Wow. Yeah, she's supposed to be here for a month and a half, but she wow. just has some stuff to take care of back at home. Really good support system. Jesus, yeah. I wish I had that kind of support system. My wife and I were solo dolo. It's a lot. I mean, you're a lot to support, man. I don't like the way you side-eyed me right there. What the fuck was that? I'm just saying. You don't realize it. No one. We're here. We're not yes-men over here. We're letting you know. You're a lot to deal with. I, I do not challenge that statement. What, what's your point? The way it's just too much to support. Ooh. See, if you're making a reference to my weight as like a, a fat joke. No, no, no. We, we promised D. Neal that we would no longer do that on this show. But he actually said he's a fan of that. Yeah. Who? D. Neal did not say yeah. he was a fan Didn't of that. he say something about like, oh, I grew up in the 90s as well? I no, no, no. He said that he wasn't woke and that he grew up in the 90s and that he was, and I respect that. But what I will say is, is that this is bullying of me, Said. Well, is it? Yes. <laughs> All right. My feelings are very hurt. Okay. In order to make it up to me, I need you to talk about the next article. You need me to talk about the next article? I need you to bring it up. I need you to cite the article referenced appropriately. I need you to be classy and dignified in doing so. This from Bankrate. Did not like the way it started. Read Read the highlight and then say where it's from. Biggest winners and losers from the Fed interest rate hike. This is from Bankrate that was actually reported on Yahoo Finance. The Federal Reserve announced that it's raising interest rates by 0.25% that we recovered on the last episode. Um, This boosting the overall rate to 5.5%. With the move, the Federal Reserve has now raised rates a total of 11 times during the economic cycle in an effort to significantly reduce liquidity to the financial markets and tamp down high inflation. Any guesses on who's the biggest winners and who are the biggest losers? Arun, do you feel like he could have done that better, or was it just me? No, I thought that was actually really good. Really? A I, stutter. I, thought that, I thought that it was just... You skipped kind of, a few words here and there. I thought it was a little bit um, convoluted, I'll be honest. I a give it an A+. Plus Thank you, wow. brother. Well, considering you're trying to make it up for me with that. Biggest winners and losers. Go. Of what? Of the interest rate hike? Were you not listening? Savings account and CDs, number one. Oh, 
Is that, a win? Is that a winner or a loser? Ka-chow. <laughs> <laughs> That's a winner. Right. Uh, savings account and CD rates will go up. Now, what I will predict here is I think this article is wrong. I don't think you're going to see savings account and CD yields creep up this with the same. Um, so a lot of institutions were hesitant to move 25 basis points up when the Fed increased interest rates up. Mm -hmm. So keep in mind, for those of you who listen, we've grown accustomed to some weird things, okay? The Fed funds rate is the cost of banks to borrow. It is not necessarily the cost that you, the consumer, should get paid. On your deposits. So if you're a bank and the cost of funds for you to borrow goes up 25 basis points, then why would I pay you, the consumer, 25 basis points for your money? I would just borrow money at 25 basis points. Mm -hmm. So in theory, there's this kind of juxtaposition, if you will, this, this inflection point, as, as my common vernacular continues to use, where you get to a point where you say, okay, look, you, consumer, should not get 25 basis points because I can go out and borrow that for, for cheaper mm -hmm. or the same amount. Right. So I'm going to pay you slightly less. But banks were so competitive in the early days of the Fed interest rate increases that they were giving them the full 25 basis points. My prediction now is you're going to stop seeing that. Okay. And I think banks are going to say, hey, I'll give you 10 basis points or I'll give you 15 basis points, but I'm not giving you the full 25. Right. Because right now if I were to go out and try to borrow money long term with the FHLB, the Federal Home Loan Bank, I would venture to guess, and I don't know what the, the overnight borrowing price is, it's probably in the 5-5 five, five range. Right. Right? So if you come to me and say, Chris, I want 5%, still cheaper than the 5-5, five, five, you're going to pay overnight funds, I would say, mm, yeah, it, it is, but not enough to make me want to not borrow from them. Okay. I'll say that, to take it a step further, given the fact of everything that we saw the past two weeks with earnings coming out. Mm-hmm. It showcased that banks aren't in as much trouble as they once were. Yeah, and that's true. Yeah, and there isn't a, a very much a need for them to raise. A, I would also raise. say that the bank trouble, and I'm using air quotes for those of you who can't see me, was romanticized by the media. Yeah, it wasn't. I think a lot of the bank trouble was caused by the idea that banks could be in trouble in the media, and that subsequently caused bank runs. But it wasn't because banks were actually having trouble. Yes, if anything, if it did help out savings accounts and CDs. All, all the, all it did with the Fed raising interest rates another twenty five basis points is that you'll be able to maintain those high level rates that you currently have for longer, right? Just a little bit longer. Yeah, you know that's all it really did. So I guess in some cases that is a slight win because you'll get to make that much more for that much longer, but not a whole lot there. Agreed. I agree. All right. Next, mortgages. Can't you talk sexy back to me for a little bit? Winner or loser for mortgages? Loser. Lo big loser. Big L. Yeah. Taking L's. If you're looking for the mortgages right about now, this is a big L. But I will say, this only puts more pressure on the inverted yield curve, which pushes out the 10-year treasury, which eventually is going to happen. And when mm -hmm. that happens, you're going to see upward pressure on mortgage rates. Some of that we're already seeing in the economy today as of right now, mm -hmm. even before the interest rate increase. But expect to see 10-year treasuries rise, which means mortgages. If you're locked in and you were locked in a year ago, you're fine. But if you're not and you're looking to get a home, expect mortgage rates to go up. Loser. Right. And that goes into number four on this list, which is borrowers. 
Um, but next, next on this list, stock and bond investors. Oof. So if you would read the market as an indicator, the market would tell you it's not a loser. I truly believe that this actually is a loser for them long term. How so? Well, because as you increase the cost and the bond market winds up having to, well, I should probably water this down a little bit. Um, I think the, the, well, let's separate the stock and bond investors, right? Okay. The bond is really a debt instrument that's issued on behalf of like a municipality, a city, stuff like that, right? Those are guaranteed. Right. A government bond, right? Government bond. They issue um, their own debt and then you buy into it and it's generally considered less risk and better yielding. Yes. I think that as a credit default cycle continues will actually be good. Mm-hmm. People feel very confident in that. But the stock market, I think, is overinflated. And I think long-term, this will actually be bad for the market and bad for values because the stock market is somewhat independent of recessionary economies. But if we enter a recessionary economy, consumer spending goes down, home prices go down, unemployment goes up, the stock market comes down a little bit. Yep. I believe JP Morgan has it that the S&P is going to come down at roughly about 14%. Why Jamie Dimon pays all these fancy economists when he can just call a higher standard? I don't know. I mean, clearly he doesn't listen to the I show. I really don't know. Why? Aren't you boys with him? I mean, we did have dinner. <laughs> I mean, that's not enough? Yeah. He is a charming motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. I got to tell you, I get it. What happened? Did you ever, like, get lost in thought at dinner at some point? Like, God damn, I'm sitting with Jamie Dimon? No, I pulled a full Mitch McConnell. <laughs> yeah. I sharded and just looked at him for, like, a minute. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, last credit cards and the U.S. federal Ooh, government. Big fucking losers. Big losers for credit card for everyone. BFLs, baby. Big <laughs> BFLs. Title of the show, mm-hmm. right there. Um, yeah, for all those people that didn't know how to manage your credit cards up until now, and that are carrying high balances, your rate on your credit cards have gone up. Your minimum payments have gone up, and you your have, new rate is fucked. Your new rate is clearly north of twenty percent. Yeah. Um. Not good. Not good. Not good. And the U.S. federal government interests. Interest on that debt payment. When your payment options are pay the interest or provide kidney, <laughs> not good. No, not good. No. Mm-mm, no. Yeah, man. So, How and, would you like your kidney today? <laughs> by the way, I'm fully invested in Grey's Anatomy. Like, Why do you openly admit that on the show? I know. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually enjoying it with spending the time with my wife. It's nice. I miss being able to watch the show with her. Didn't say that. Don't say I'm into <laughs> this guy. He, how many seasons of Grey's Anatomy did you watch, Odin, before laughing at me? A lot. Um, I think oh. 12 or 13. <laughs> so before you laugh at me, hold on. Did well, you I watch, just, did you I just watch 12 it? Or wait, wait, 13? hold on. Hold on. Did you watch it with your wife? No. You were at home eating nachos, <laughs> watching that by yourself? Hello. Pizza, beer, nachos. <laughs> Seriously, you were you were watching great. You went home at some point. I'll say this: What were you doing in life that you were going home watching Grey's Anatomy for twelve seasons? Shepard is McDreamy, bro. This guy is dreamy. I will slap the <laughs> shit out of you right now if you ever say some shit like that to me again. I swear. The thing is, he knows exactly what you're talking about. No, you know, I don't yeah, know. You know exactly you what I'm talking about. The only I know is that that's Patrick Dempsey because he was all over like fucking social media forever. Fucking stud this guy, man. You stop it! I will slap the shit out of you right now. What's wrong guy. with you? Seattle too. We got so many listeners out of Seattle. You know. I love Seattle. If you're, if you're I fucking a listener, hate you right now. What are you doing? If you're a listener in Seattle and you like the show Grey's Anatomy, you think it's an accurate depiction. Don't tie this show of, to that shit. Of, of your city. Don't go ahead do that. And, go ahead and leave us an honest five-star review about whether Saeed is right or Chris is wrong. 
whether that's on Apple or Spotify. And also go check out the YouTube page. You can comment down below after you subscribe, like, hit that notification bell, do all the fancy things that all the influencers tell you to do. Nothing? No, man. I'm just... There's so many good shows to watch out there that... Why am I watching this? Yes. What? what? Like, all what? the fucking... Cr- Righteous Gem sounds great. Ted Lasso, amazing. Ted Lasso. Solid. You would like Ted Lasso. You like sports. It's a positive show. Chris, it's got a lot of really... Wi- Saeed? Huh? He's going to jump on Ted Lasso in maybe three, four years. Yeah, I that, gotta, That's what I don't get. Is the show, why? Is the show completely over? No. I got to binge watch. I'm not, I'm not waiting in between seasons. It's two and a half seasons in, bro. I'm not waiting in between... The people that watched Game of Thrones from season one, that had to have been miserable. Waiting a full year for the next season to start? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm out. What the fuck are you not doing in life that you have the time to binge watch 12 fucking seasons? Well, right now, given the fact that this show is... Right now, it's 12.30 in the morning. So I no longer have that time to binge watch anymore. If you're watching Patrick Dempsey, you're fucking welcome. I'm taking the time away from you. One episode of... One episode every time we watch. I'm straightening your shit out right now by not giving you the time to watch that shit. Shepherd Man. McDreamy. How long are those episodes? McDreamy. I don't know, 40 minutes? Oh, God damn it. Yeah, no commercials? Stop it. Straight to the point? No. Love it. Terrible. Yeah. What's wrong with... Go watch... Like, I don't think you could watch the fucking Barbie movie then watch that shit. The Barbie movie? Yeah, go watch that. You, you watched it, didn't you? No, I watched Oppenheimer, bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> How was it? Huh? You know, for a period piece, it was fucking great. Really? I really enjoyed it. I heard yeah. it was really slow. Like, um, I mean, if you're not cerebral or intelligent, I guess <laughs> I, I guess I can understand how people would feel that way. <laughs> so, Bully. Villain, this guy. Yeah, that, was, that was pretty bad. Let me tell you right now, okay? Christopher Nolan can bring people into a period piece that he filmed in two months. That's how fucking talented he is. I feel and like Cillian Murphy about, and Robert movie, Downey Jr. What's that movie called? Oppenheimer? I feel like this is more about your man crush on Christopher Nolan. This ain't about that. Christopher Nolan's a different kind of human. You got, listen, I'm a McDreamy guy. You're a Christopher Nolan guy. That's just, that's That says a lot about you and not a good thing. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. That, No, you were not okay with that. I am offended for you. (laughs) What's, why? Oh, just entertainment value for the show, man. That's not entertainment value. You mean that shit. (laughs) I I can see it in your eyes right now. You mean that shit. Do you realize you're, you're watching basically a nighttime soap Dude, opera. Dude, this guy was living in one of those airstreams like 20 years ago. A nighttime soap opera. You were watching the nighttime days of your lives. <laughs> Is it really? That's what you're watching. It's good. No. I'm going to tell you right now, can I tell you something? One thing I noticed and I mentioned to my wife. Jesus Christ. The editing was so bad. The, of the editing show? was so, they tried to get hip with it with some of their cuts and I'm like, oh my God, I could do so much better. Okay. And yet you still watch that shit. Yeah, because I want to see like I want to see the progression. Clearly, they did something right, bro. Twenty seasons. What the hell's going on over there, dude? Okay, have you ever watched a soap opera in never. your life? Never. No, never. Not once. Is, is this really considered a soap opera? It's a nighttime soap opera. That's all you're watching. Can you pull up the genre, Odin? I want to see if this is what it is. Don't do that. Don't 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 differentiate it because. Oh, hold on, no. What, Google just, says hey, so. What, we don't trust. It's Google. what it is. Since when do we not trust Google? It's it's. What's Grey's the, what's, Anatomy. What's the genre? Is an American medical drama television series drama, focusing baby. on the personal and professional lives. Dark comedy. I'm a, I'm a dark comedy kind of guy. I like mildly that. Mildly homosexual f- surgical interns, residents, well, and attending. What did you say? The fictional Seattle. Wait, what did you say? That's what it, uh, Wikipedia says. Don't get mad at me. You know, a buddy of mine actually got listed on Wikipedia. 
And then he got hit up by a Wikipedia guy. It was like an admin there. Who hit him up for $10,000 to keep his profile on there. No. It's a hustle. Wikipedia? Yeah, so man. Wikipedia picked him up, apparently, and, and like he had a profile. Yeah. He didn't even know. He got hit up by his boy, or his, his like, this guy. Yeah. And was like, hey, man, you have a Wikipedia profile. And he's like, oh, cool. And he's like, we're going to delete it if you don't pay us $10,000. And he's like, I don't care. Stop it. So they deleted it. And the guy, the guy who hit him up apparently is like, I've seen them on, like an administrator. I've for, seen them Wikipedia. on Wikipedia, like have a little like box asking for donations. Well, that, that's a different thing. But apparently, like Wikipedia is a charitable organization, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not like funded, right? Like that. So I guess there's like administrators who who make it a hobby to like going through mm-hmm. and validating the content, right? And if they don't feel like you're notable enough. There's some shakedowns involved. Right. Yeah, who, who knew? Who knew? Notability's got a price. Does it? Yeah. Would Sash. you ever pay for something like that? Ten grand? No. It ain't worth it to maintain your Wikipedia page? Nah. That's like a paying for a blue check mark. Like, who? Why? In, if well, you in know rea- me, you know me. In reality, everybody paid for it. Mm. You want to hear, hear this theory out? Yeah. Okay. Let's say you are a professional basketball player. Oh, I like this. I like where this is going already. Okay. And you have a blue check mark on Instagram prior to them paying for it, right? Mm-hmm. They verified your profile. You paid for it. You just didn't pay for it with money. But oh. you paid for it with your sacrifice, your time, your energy, right? And what you put out into society. What you put out. And you chose a path which is verifiable. Mm-hmm. Most people don't choose a path which is verifiable. And they give you an idea. They verified Olympians. They verified musicians. They verified authors. Twitter, same thing. Twitter was very like heavy towards like journalism and authors. I mean, we're top one percent podcast. How am I not verified yet? I gotta be honest. <laughs> friend of friend. Give me something. Okay. Uh your social media game, while your short content production is amazing. Mm-hmm. Your social media game and your usage of the platform is shockingly pathetic. (laughs) I try not to be on there too often. Okay, then you can't ask for verification when you're not embracing the culture. What do you mean? You're not embracing the culture, man. I'm consistently uh, pimping shit out on there. No, 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 no. You got to post like once a day. Once a day? Yeah. You got to post the stories. You got to post your feed. You got to do a lot of reels. Gotta so go, there's a whole gotta go live. algorithmic. Live isn't that, that important. But you have to be engaged on it. You have to be using it. Yeah. Algorithm picks that shit up. Mm. Yeah. I know you're upset about it, but it's no, true. I'm not. I'm really, really not. You should. You should be. You got to be honest. I mean, Rune and I are carrying the weight. What? I mean, you carry. <laughs> I'm gonna let that go. We're carrying. What? Let what go? I'm let it go. Let's this, get this into is the these, problem. Let's get into is these you reviews. Start, you start saying negative shit. Arun and I. Arun's doing a ton of editing. I'm doing a ton of editing on the audio side. I'm doing a ton of editing too. I'm doing a lot of research for the show. Okay, you doing your homework <laughs> is not you doing the same work that we're doing. You ain't. Uh, we're not gonna get into this on the show. We we'll, should get into this the show. Let's get into these reviews. We got some great reviews. We got some great. Let, reviews. let me let me just say right now before a site even starts. Every single fucking time somebody leaves a review and Saeed or somebody or one of us catches it and we share it in our group text message thread, it really makes my fucking day. Mine too. 
I know that sounds so bizarre and trivial and wild, but it's just, it valid. We don't get paid for this. We all make a lot of sacrifices in time. I mean, Arun and I clearly more than Saeed. And <laughs> it's been pain. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. It, it's, it's been painfully obvious to us that the show is growing, that people appreciate it. But hearing the way you guys put it, and the context that you guys put it in, it really means a lot. So thank you from Arun and I. <laughs> Wildly disrespectful from your villain co-host, Chris Nahibi. Uh, first review from Jay Romero 15. Informative and funny. Five stars. The podcast is very informative. I am learning financial terms and metrics. Also learning what those metrics really mean in day-to-day living. That's the goal, man. That That is the hope. That is the dream. That is the aspiration that is this show, The Higher Standard. Right. That is the ethos. Uh, the banter keeps things light and shows that the hosts are good friends. Up until tonight, it was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Reminds me of how my friends and I talk with each other, except we are not smart enough to speak intelligently about any subject. Now there is one of us. Yeah. Which one? Take a guess. Really enjoy listening. Really enjoy listening to the podcast. So thank you. Well, we appreciate you, Jay Romero. Fifteen. Yeah. Thank you for the honest five. Fantastic review. review. Great review. Yeah. Another good one that came in just as we got into the studio tonight. Mm. Rad Hills, ten star review. I mean, because when five stars is the only honest thing you can do. You know what I what I like to think that Rad Hills did. He was generous enough, or she was generous enough, or they were generous enough to leave us an honest five-star review on Apple. Pronouns. Yeah, very nice. They downloaded Spotify, and they left us an honest five-star review over there, too. It's a little greedy, but I hey, respect They say 10 I stars. I didn't say 10 stars. So five on Spotify, five on Apple Podcasts. Because we're on both. And then subscribe and follow on YouTube. Yes, exactly. Makes total sense. Rat Hills, I just heard you guys got a three-star review, so I'm coming in with a 10-star. Just to be clear, Daniil came back and revised. We love you, Daniil. Thank you very much to uh, a five-star review. To a five-star review. An honest five-star review. But we're glad that it uh, brought some confidence in Rat Hills to come out here and leave Perpetuated a 10-star. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take it. Your show is outstanding. The kind where you need to rewind to laugh at the jokes again. Wow. I saw you on Mind Pump. And you guys quickly became the number two podcast I listened to. I'll take it. That's fine. I'm good with that. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I would. Let's be honest. If if you have the choice of listening to Adam or us. I mean, don't discredit Doug, Sal, and Justin. You know, one of the things I've noticed with the guys in the show that, that I think just really is not talked about enough is Doug is sneaky fucking ripped, that guy. Oh, he's jacked, yeah. He's in incredible fucking shape. Yeah. He just hides it well. He's an all-around stud. I digress, but yeah. He said, it goes on to say, um, number two part, Lizzo, is still, Mind Pump is still number one. I hope you're not offended. Not at all, no. But you are giving them a run for their money. Keep up the great work and never go mainstream. Well, we're not sponsored by anyone, so the odds of us going mainstream (laughs) anytime soon are not high. But we do have families, and we would appreciate a sponsor. I we need I need something to justify to the wife. Like, look, this is going somewhere. That was hurtful. 
Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> trust me. I believe in it. It's going somewhere someday. I can sponsor the show if you want. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I, I pay for cameras. <laughs> Two. Two. Yeah, that's right. You wait. You can the third. That's mm. right. We that, I think it's that one. The one that looks at me all the time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right, you got anything else? Was there a third one? I thought it was, was three. I thought it was two. We got another one. It was a five star, but no, nothing written. Oh, well, we appreciate you, Anonymous Five Star Review. Yeah. Thank you. I get why you may not want us to read it because I'm the one that will stumble. Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's late. I've traveled a lot in the last couple of days. Um, let's, let's, um, Let's send this off with a banger. How so? Arun, you there? Bye, everybody. Oh, God. I instantly regretted that. <laughs> let him sit in it. Let's let him marinate. <laughs> Do you feel like that represented the show well? <laughs> well, it's 1 a.m. I'm fucking tired. <laughs> oh, that's good. Landed on that. That's right. Good night, everybody. Bye.